Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
One thing I forgot to mention during our opening prayer time, uh, Mary Ruggles went home to be with the Lord yesterday, uh, and we uh, pray for her family. Uh, there will be no services, no public services, uh, but we did want to let the church family know about uh, Miss Mary and uh, pray, pray for her and her family's uh, comfort during this time. Uh, again, we uh, come to that time of the service, we're able to give back a small portion of what the Lord has so graciously blessed us with. 
and uh, thank the Lord for the opportunity to join him uh, in the work that he's doing through prayer and through giving. And right now we are focused on the Annie Armstrong offering for North American Missions, and we're excited to be able to be a part of sharing the gospel with those throughout North America. And this morning we want you to see a little bit of what's going on in Puerto Rico through our ministry. It's a happier way to proclaim it, I think, than the other. Let's Seven.
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It was grace, it was grace that
the box that I designed. I tried to pull you down so we are eye to eye. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I tried to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? Just a whisper of your voice contained so who am I to try and take the lead? Still I run ahead and think I'm strong enough. When you're the one who made me from the dust. When did I to forgive when I make 
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Stacy, for that special music. If you will, turn with me again this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Had to get some water. It was a long weekend. A little screaming. First Corinthians chapter 16. Verses 13 and 14. This morning, as we focus on combating complacency. As you're turning there, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to lift up our voices and to sing about the great God, the great King, the great Savior who rescued us. Lord, thank you for the truth of the gospel, Lord that it is so simple that a child can understand it. But Lord, it is so great what you've done for us. It's almost unbelievable the love that you have for us because we were sinners and you chose to save us. And it's easy for us in our day-to-day walks of life to become complacent, to begin to forget about just how awesome your love for us is and just What an amazing calling that you have placed on each and every one of our lives because we are your children. And so, Lord, help us to combat that by going back and recognizing who you are and what you've called us to do in relationship to you. And so, Lord, again this morning, I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A.W. Tozer said this about complacency. Complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. 
The contented soul is the stagnant soul. Kierkegaard tells of a parable, a Danish parable of the wild duck of Denmark. A wild duck was flying northward with his mates across Europe during the springtime. And en route, he happened to land in a barnyard in Denmark, where he quickly made friends with some of the tame ducks that lived there on the farm. The wild duck enjoyed the corn, he enjoyed the fresh water, and he decided that he would stay an hour, and the hour turned into a day, and the day turned into a week, and the week turned into a month. And at the end of that time, he contemplated flying to join his friends in the vast Northland, but he had begun to enjoy the safety of the barnyard. And the tame ducks had made him feel so very welcome, and so he stayed for the remainder of the summer. One autumn day when his wild mates were flying south, he heard their quacking and it stirred him with delight, and he enthusiastically flapped his wings, and he rose into the air to join them. But much to his dismay, he found that he could rise no higher than the eaves of the barn. As he waddled back to the safety of the barnyard, he muttered to himself, I'm satisfied here. I have plenty of food, and the area is good. Why should I leave? And so he spent the winter on the farm. In the spring, when the wild ducks flew overhead again, he felt a strange stirring within his breast, but he did not even try to fly up and meet them. And when they returned in the fall, they again invited him to join them. But this time, this time the duck did not even notice them. There was no stirring within his breast. He, sept, he kept on eating his corn. He kept on getting fatter and fatter and complacent. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Verses 13 and 14. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity or with love. Amen. You may be seated. How do we combat complacency in our Christian life? Well, Paul is addressing that here at the end of this letter to the Corinthian church. And we see here in verse 13, the first thing he says is maintain spiritual alertness. The word Paul uses here means to stay awake. This exhortation to vigilance presupposes that Christians are always in danger of reducing their full commitment to God through Christ and of allowing themselves to be seized by things of lesser value. It also means to maintain a constant state of readiness and alertness. He knew that any church has the potential to grow complacent. Any church, even a great church, has the potential to grow complacent, to get comfortable with doing the things the way that we've always done them and being comfortable with things the way they are. They can become comfortable and begin to lose their edge, their passion, and their vigilance. 
And he knows how deadly this can become to any group, organization, institution, or business. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter, six, chapter 5, verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. It's the picture of a driver who is driving late at night, and they become drowsy, and they drift off to sleep. Complacency is that way. Complacency is a blight that saps energy and it dulls attitudes and it causes a drain on the brain. And so the first symptom is satisfaction with things the way they are. Well, I'm happy with things, with things being the way that they are. I'm satisfied with this. And the second is rejection of things the way they might be. Good enough. It's good enough becomes today's watchword and tomorrow's standard. Complacency makes people fear the unknown, mistrust the untried, and abhor the new. Like water, complacency will be what people tend to do. Like water, they go down that easiest path downhill. They draw false strength from looking back. Men, think for a moment. How many times as fathers... Do we think to ourselves, what is short-circuiting my children's faith? Am I accomplishing my desired end in being the husband that God has called me to be? Because it's not like we're doing these things intentionally. We don't go in thinking, well, I'm going to love God less today. Or I'm going to go to church less. Or I'm going to read my Bible less. It is not an issue of, of making a conscious decision. Well, I'm just not going to be as faithful as I used to be. No, it's an issue of complacency. Men in our lives. And far too many of us as Christian husbands and Christian fathers and leaders in the church, we have become far too complacent. And as a church, do we look out? For ways that division might be creeping in? Or do we perceive how our love is growing cold or our vision has begun to grow dim? And those things that we used to be passionate about and running for are now, we, we can let those things go. They're not quite as important as they once were. How do we do it? How do we ward off complacency? Well, the first thing is we need to have a regular time of evaluation. We need to be honest with ourselves and say, am I as committed to the Lord today as I was a year ago, as I was five years ago, as I was when I first passionately came into that relationship with Christ and I was spending time in his word and in prayer and that intimate relationship on a daily basis and, and wanted to learn more and I was diving in deep. Am I still at that place? Am I still striving to do more in ministry? Am I still striving to do more in missions? We need to have that time of evaluation. But also we need to have brothers and sisters in Christ who will watch out for us and who are willing to confront us. In other words, we need to have accountability in our lives. We need to have people who are willing to ask the hard questions. How is your prayer time doing? 
Are you really spending that time in prayer that you have to spend in order to grow? How is your time of studying God's Word doing? Are you spending the time that is necessary to truly grow deep in relationship to the Lord? Are you sensing God's presence in your personal ministry? Do you see God stirring and still moving or or something grown cold there? Are you taking kingdom-oriented risks or are you playing it safe? Those are questions that we all have to ask ourselves. But then secondly, also there in verse 13, he says, maintain spiritual foundation. Next, Paul says to stand fast or, or to stand firm. The idea here is to holding diligently to a conviction or a belief. You see, Paul wanted the Corinthians to not forsake the things that they had believed. He didn't want them to step over into a works salvation of, if I just work hard enough, then I'll, then I'll be right with God, or, or then I'll have salvation, or even a liberation license salvation of, well, you know what, I got my ticket, and now I can do whatever I want. He wanted them to hold fast to the, to the true gospel, to the gospel that he had brought to them. He didn't want them to forsake the essentials or major on the minors. Church, it's important that we understand that correct theology is not a minor thing. It matters what we believe because what we believe affects what we do and how we witness and how we minister. And for some of us, our theology is pretty poor because we're not witnessing and we're not ministering. So it matters. It matters what we truly believe about this word. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Philippians 1.27, Only let your conversations be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of our affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And Colossians 4, 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Church, you see, Satan cannot take saving faith away from us. But he can and he often does obscure the content of our faith. The sound doctrine of God's word. If we do not hold fast to the right interpretations of scripture, we are certain to slip into wrong thinking and wrong belief and then wrong behavior. Think of the examples of people who have read the scriptures but they have wrong theology and wrong doctrine and the devastating path that has taken them down. We all know of the wonderful ministry of Billy Graham. And we know how faithful he was to the gospel. 
But many of you know that also Charles Templeton was right there with him at the beginning of that ministry. He was right there preaching. And some believed that he would be even greater than Billy Graham. But he went down the wrong path and his doctrine became wrong. And he doubted the reliability of Scripture. And it devastated his ministry. And it shipwrecked his faith. We think about the author today. He used to be a preacher, but now he's a kook. Rob Bell. Rob Bell's book, Love Wins, rocked the evangelical world in 2011 because it teaches universalism. And why? Because he couldn't, he couldn't take the doctrine of hell. It was just too mean for him. And so he decided he'd change it because he just didn't like it. Folks, we don't have that right. And he went down a path that destroyed his ministry and destroyed many people's faith along with it. We think about even the Southern Baptist Convention and its drift in the 60s and 70s related to evolution and Genesis. It led a, a generation to mistrust the trustworthiness of Scripture and praise God. Praise God for the conservative resurgence that began in 1979 that brought us back to a strong footing where we understand the, inf the infallibility and the inerrancy of God's Word. That we can be trusted at every point. Because, folks, it matters what we believe. What we believe affects how we behave. Even minor errors in the gospel or our view of salvation can make a big difference down the road. Easy believism and baptismal regeneration are examples. And over time, our tendency is to drift and forget and to mellow in our commitment to the truth. And our culture embraces pluralism and relativism that scream against our view of absolute truth. Folks, that's why we're in the state in this country that we're in. Far too many people do not believe in absolute truth. And that's why they can veer in such crazy directions. Because they do not hold to the scriptures. It's why theology, the study of God's word is important. Reading the right books, the right authors... Folks, there's some junk out there that you have no business reading because it'll mess up your thinking. It'll mess up your doctrine. Make sure you're reading the right books. That's why not only sound but doctrinally robust preaching and teaching ministries are so important. Stay away from shallow churches that, that just tell you what you want to hear. It'll make your soul sick. Teach your kids, teach your students sound doctrine. Else, in a generation, in one generation, we can lose it all. It matters what we believe. It matters what our kids believe. It matters what our grandkids believe. We are fighting for the church. And our ability to triumph in our culture will be compromised if we do not stand strong. If, if, our, if everything that our children believe is built on a shaky foundation of, of, of false doctrine, it all crumbles. And we need to understand that. But also there in verse 13, the third point I want to make is to maintain spiritual courage. Paul next says, for his faith to be, for his, his flock here to be brave. From the Greek, what Paul is really saying here is be brave men. Today we might say, you know what, you all, you need to act like a man. That's what he's saying. You need to act like a man. And many translations even put it that way. It means to man up, 
be courageous in the face of danger. He knew that the Corinthians would face the temptation to cower in the face of the culture and various trials that he wanted them to go on the offense and not stay in a defensive posture, but to go on the offense. The word also has the connotation of maturity and self-control. Notice what the writer to the Hebrews says there in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning there in verse 32. And what shall shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, also, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed vigilant in fights, turned to the flight of armies of aliens. Women received their dead, received to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect." And even this morning, we could tell stories of missionaries who have conquered darkness in entire regions or countries or continents, giving their lives and those of their families for the sake of the gospel. But church, most true bravery happens in the home. Most true bravery is going to happen in the school or in the office or in the factory as you have opportunity to minister and witness and confront darkness for the kingdom's sake. Some of my favorite stories come from schools where where some of our students have stood up, and sometimes they stood up alone to start a Bible study in the morning or to start a prayer group in the morning, and they began by standing alone. Or maybe it's the story of the one who, who worked their entire life in a particular office setting a particular work setting. And slowly but surely they won each and every one of their co-workers to Christ because of their faithfulness. Because they didn't give up, because they kept on praying, because they kept on saying, you know what, I love you too much to stop sharing the gospel with you. And so day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, they were sharing the gospel faithfully and living faithfully. And those people saw it and they came to Christ. And those of ministries that start down in the hard places because someone had a burden and they risk everything because they wanted to be obedient to see souls saved. Bags of Hope was started with a can of corn and a prayer. And now look how many people are being ministered to in Marshall County. Look at Marcella's Kitchen and what it started with. Look at so many ministries around us in this community. People said, I'm willing to sacrifice so much Because I see such a great need and the gospel needs to be shared. And they went and they did what God called them to do. And he blessed it and it's multiplied in an abundant way. But our tendency, even if we don't retreat, is to revert to the holy huddle. We we tend to focus in being keepers of an aquarium rather than going out and being the fishers of men that God's called us to be. And it keeps us from actively engaging the culture with the gospel and the truth of scripture. 
We are not to be captive to our natural fears. We are commanded not to be afraid of, of man or what he can do. Will we feel those fears when we are called upon for a witness? Sure we will. But don't let the fear win. God desires us to be courageous and vigilant warriors who are able to do what is necessary to advance the gospel, not simply to maintain ground. This is the kind of character that propels some churches to do great things. And then the lack of it keeps some churches from doing much of anything significant for Christ at all. This is what compels some believers to attack the culture head on, to change a community, to impact the world. Do you have it in you? If you don't feel like you have it in you, then ask God to give it to you, and he will. We need some wide-eyed, crazy, reckless, sold-out, courageous, Jesus-believing Christians to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ, to stop being complacent. But then lastly and quickly, actually not lastly, sorry. Um, Sorry. Also there in verse 13. Maintain spiritual strength. This exhortation means to become powerful, to become strong. It's used in the New Testament to show the progression and inner strength and spiritual growth. It seems that there is only a slight nuance from the previous words, but I believe what Paul is getting at here is growth and health, especially since this word to become is something in the passive voice. You see, he is exhorting them to pursue Christ and growth in your faith. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what we see here. The way that we grow in our faith has a couple components. Actually, three. Self-denial, self-discipline, and self-sacrifice. The word is our spiritual lifeline, and it's necessary for any kind of spiritual growth and advancement. And that's why I remind you weekly of the importance of a daily quiet time with the Lord, to spend time in his word on a daily basis. If you want to grow in a relationship with the Lord, and you want to know his will, then you must read his word. You must know what he's saying. You must listen to him. The path to spiritual growth is also service. If you're working for the kingdom, then you're going to be growing. Find a place of service to Christ and begin to serve. And finally, the way that we grow is to trust Christ and ask him to, to, to grow us. Focus on your personal relationship and fellowship with God. And if you're not growing, it's because you are taking a step back from the Lord. You, you've moved away. Pursue him, and you will find him right where he's always been. Then lastly, verse 14, maintain spiritual ethic. Paul says, all these things are good, but let them be filtered through the screen of agape love. The self-sacrificing love that allowed Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. The word all is the first word in this verse, giving it prominence. These previous exhortations can go overboard if they are not tempered by a self-sacrificing, highly valuing, unconditional love. Elsewhere, we, he has constantly stated the importance of love. We see the entire chapter 13 is about love. It is a non-negotiable component of the Christian life. You cannot live the Christian life without loving. You can have, you can have the most sound doctrine in the world. You can be theologically crossing every T and dotting every I. But if you don't have love, it doesn't matter because you're accomplishing nothing. You must have love. You must have love. 
John 13, 34 to 35. And a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Love is the key. Love is, joy is, is, is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. And kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins. That's what Donald Gray Barnhouse says. For example, you may be pursuing Christ through a Bible study three or four times a week. At night, you go into those different places and studying the Bible in those different classes. But guess what? In order to love your, your wife properly, you got to be home every, every once in a while. And so you know what? You can have right theology and right, right doctrine, but if you're not loving your family, what difference does it make? we got to have our priorities set straight. Love should shroud our speech and our thoughts and our deeds. We should constantly be looking for ways to serve one another, provoking one another to good works. Unfortunately, some believers, they cling to their orthodox theology, but they don't worry about their lack of love. They see it as a minor issue. Folks, love is no minor issue. It's not an either-or offer. It's a both-and necessary Sound theology, yes, but love is a necessary component. So in your passion to stand firm, be brave, be alert, are you constantly looking for opportunities to put the needs of others before you? Are you looking for a way to love others with agape love? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote this about our spiritual battle. A man who does not understand the nature of the problem he is confronting is a man who is already doomed to failure. Christian people are like first-year college students. They think at first that every subject is quite simple, that there is no get difficulty. Well, we know what it is likely to happen to such when they face an examination. The first thing you have to do is to understand the nature and the character of your problem so you have to realize that we are called in the Christian life to a battle not to a life of ease, to a battle, to a warfare, to a wrestle, to a struggle. Church, we cannot be complacent. What does your commitment level to the Lord look like this morning? Are you as faithful today as you were a year ago or five years ago or when you first came to know Christ? If you're not, there's a problem. You've taken a step back. You've become complacent. Are you growing deeper on a daily basis? Or are you simply relying on past knowledge and accomplishments without a vision for growth in the future. If you're not seeing something that you can do for Christ that you've never done before, then there's a problem. And I don't care how young you are or how old you are, God's not done with you or he would have taken you home. So let's get a vision and let's do something for him. Are you praying for those folks coming up in a revival? Or have you said, you know what, I've prayed for folks in the past and it hadn't made any difference, then you've become complacent. You need to start praying. You need to start studying the word. You need, to start, you need to start weeping over the lost around us and over the condition of our community. Stop being complacent. And let's get busy about what God's called us to do. But some of you don't know Christ. And so you can't do any of it. But guess what you can today? You see, he died for your sins on the cross of Calvary. And he desires to have a relationship with you. He was placed in a grave and he rose on the third day victorious and you can know what it is to have eternal life in relationship to him and so maybe today you need to take that first step of obedience and you need to come to christ
I don't know what it is that you necessarily need to do this morning. Maybe you need to join this church family. Maybe you need to come to this altar and you need to pray. But help us to not be complacent. Help us to be the people God has called us to be. Help us as Brinesburg Baptist Church to fight the darkness, to shine the brightest light that we can into this community. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this reminder that, Lord, we can never become complacent, that, Lord, you are not done with us. Lord, that you have more ministry, that you have more missions, that you have more for us, that there are still the lost around about us. There are still those who need to be ministered to. And so, Lord, help us to never become complacent. Lord, I know this morning I probably have some friends who are lost here this morning. I pray they'd come. I pray they'd make decisions for you today. But only you know the decisions that need to be made. And so stir hearts even now. Help them to come forward. Help them to make decisions for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, would you come? Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.